studies. I am excited about our meetings on uh, Sunday morning, the, studying the book of Revelation. And uh, on Wednesday night, uh, how, how this is just uniquely put in place by the Holy Spirit. On Wednesday night, we're studying the book of the beginnings, the first book of the Bible. And on Sunday mornings, we'll be studying uh, the last book of the Bible, the, the book of the endings, the book of the future. If you want to know what the future holds, then precious child of God, depend on the Holy Spirit. There's only one indispensable principle of Bible study. You helplessly depend on the Holy Spirit, and he will show you the meaning of his word. And we're in our second study of the book of Revelation. And if you'll turn with me, please, to Revelation chapter 1. This morning, I want you to think with me on this subject, making numbers count. Making numbers count. Many people wonder, uh, is Revelation literal or is it symbolic? Well, it's both. And it's so important that we understand the symbolism to understand the literal meaning of the book of Revelation. Now, look with me there at verse 1 of chapter 1. We want to think about the code of the book of Revelation. Uh, the Apostle John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as an angel of the Lord gives him this revelation. And let me just remind you, the word revelation means apocalypsis. It is, and we think about the word apocalypse, uh, a great tragic thing. Well, there's a lot of tragedy uh, described in chapters 5 through 18 of the book of Revelation. But precious child of God, we won't be here. That's the great tribulation. There are a lot of reasons why we ought to trust Jesus as our Savior. But one of those very wonderful reasons is that we don't want to have to go through the great tribulation. And we won't because you see in chapter uh, 4, the church is already in heaven. We'll be in heaven when uh, chapters uh, uh, 6 through 18 of the book of Revelation takes place. But apocalypsis also means to unveil. And it's the unveiling of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants. And think about that high and holy calling of God upon your life as a child of God. You and I, in the grace of God, have been called to be his servants. What a privilege. Literally, in the Greek, it means bond slave. What a privilege. We've been bought and paid for by the precious blood of Christ. And you would think, well, if you're a slave, you're not free. We're the most free people in the world because when Jesus sets us free, we are free indeed. We are the servants of the living God and his Christ. And the unveiling was given uh, by God to Jesus to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And that word shortly doesn't mean just uh, we, that it could be any time, but it could be any time. It certainly could be imminent, but it means when it does take place, when these events do take place, they will take place very, very quickly. And he said and signified it. And we're talking about the word sign, the symbolism, the signs, the numbers in the book of Revelation. He, he gave the sign, he signified it by his angel unto his servant John. And that word sign uh, it is really a Greek word that is semenio, which means symbol, which means a, a, a symbol that stands for a, a literal truth. And there are symbols and signs in Revelation. And if you don't, by the power of the Holy Spirit, understand the symbols and the signs, uh, you won't understand the real meaning of the book of Revelation. 
Now, think of some of the symbolism in the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, John speaks like a zoologist. He draws the symbol of Jesus as a lamb and as a lion. Jesus came 2,000 years ago as the lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world. But he's coming again as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Further into the book, we find four beasts around the throne of God in heaven. And, and oh my, child of God, if you want to begin to understand what your future holds, study chapters four and five in heaven, and then study the last two chapters, 21 and 22, which is the most detailed description of heaven found in the word of God. And, and there John says there are these four beasts around the throne of God, and he's speaking symbolically. One has the face of an ox, one has the face of an eagle, one has the face uh, of a lion, and one has the face of a man. Now, sometimes John speaks as an astronomer. Look at uh, verse 16 of uh, chapter uh, 1. And he had in his right hand, talk about Jesus, had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And then John be begins to speak as a, a geographer. Uh, he talks about the seven hills that this, this great harlot will one day be sitting on. And if you study Revelation, and we will in detail, we'll preach through it over the next number of months. But during the Great Tribulation, there's going to be a religious organization that will be a great harlot to the Antichrist. It will be Christian in name only, but not in spirit, not in reality, not in experience. And it will sit on seven hills. And that's why I believe, and other Bible students believe, uh, Rome sits on seven hills, by the way. And, and we believe it will be the Roman Catholic Church. I, I was thinking just uh, this week about how back in the 70s I had the privilege of uh, taking a trip to Israel for seven days and what a glorious privilege that was but we closed out that trip by going to Rome and, and as Israel is the light Rome is the darkness uh, in the early Christian church because we saw in Rome uh, the uh, Maritime prison where Paul was held captive you remember he wrote to Timothy, bring me a coat, I'm cold. He was, that was right on the Thames River. And, and uh, then it was Nero who in 70 AD cut off Paul's head. Uh, Nero set Rome afire, the Roman emperor, and blamed it on the Christians. And that uh, justified, he thought, uh, his persecution of the Christians. I saw the remnants of the Roman Colosseum where uh, Christians were thrown to the lions. We went down to the catacombs, these underground tunnels outside of Rome where the Christians would uh, hide from uh, the Roman soldiers so they wouldn't be put to death. But I praise God that uh, God gave the ultimate victory. There's always been a time when the church was being persecuted. One thing the Lord has laid on my heart for us to do during this year of 2021 as the body of Christ at New Hope we need to pray, and I try to pray almost every day for the persecuted church around the world. Uh, there every day, about 11 Christians die as martyrs, but there are millions and millions of Christians who are being persecuted around the world 
for their faith in Jesus Christ. And the worst nation on earth for persecuting Christians is North Korea. And there are other nations that are doing it also, but the worst persecution is going on in North Korea. And then John speaks as a mathematician here in the book of Revelation. He, he uses these numbers. And the primary number in the book of Revelation is the number seven. And it's used more, seven is used more in the book of Revelation than in all the rest of the New Testament put together. Look at verse four. Uh, John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Now, let me just say this about the phrase, the seven spirits. They're not talking about, John's not talking about their seven Holy Spirits. There's one Holy Spirit. This is talking about, he's just talked about seven churches of Asia Minor. And, and in fact, uh, the apostle John was pastor of the church at Ephesus. And he was just across the channel there in exile for the gospel of Christ and for the testimony of Christ on this rocky little island of Patmos. And that was where the Lord Jesus by his angel gave him this apocalypse, this, this understanding uh, of things that will come in the future, the book of Revelation. But the seven spirits represent the fact that the Holy Spirit is ministering to each of those seven churches at the same time. And aren't we thankful at New Hope that the Holy Spirit ministers to us in his grace at New Hope Baptist Church. And every church that is true to preaching and teaching the gospel where the people love Jesus. And there are so many things I love about New Hope. One of the things I love about New Hope is that we are a, a church family. We care about each other. We pray for one another. We love one another. And the Holy Spirit ministers to us and through us. And then go down and look at Revelation 1.20. The mystery, of, and this is in red letters in my Bible. That means Jesus is speaking uh, these words directly. It's not that the other words in black aren't just as much the word of God as the red letter words. They are. It's just that these red letter words, Jesus spoke those with his own lips. And I love that. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 20. He says, the mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. Now, we're talking about the importance of the number seven in the book of Revelation. It is a number of completion. And the mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden uh, candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven candlesticks, which thou sawest, are the seven churches, talking about the seven churches of Asia Minor, which would be the, the current country of Turkey. But look at that. Uh, the seven stars are the angels. Now, a lot of people say that talks about the pastors of the churches. No. If the Holy Spirit wanted to mean pastors, it would put the word pastor there. But it means angels. Now, I, I love that. I love that. I'm a firm believer in the ministry of the angels. We don't worship angels. We don't pray to angels. But praise God for the protective power of angels. And every Sunday morning and every Wednesday night when we're having services at our building, at you by the way, that building is not the church. You're the church. The body of Christ, that's just the church building, the church house. But I'll, I'll always pray, going to church Sunday morning and Wednesday night, Lord, send holy angels. God and protect uh, the building. Station every door and window. Station all around the buildings and the grounds. And you hope that this church. And, and I, I, I do that, and, and I, I pray for angelic protection uh, over my 
my daughter and son-in-law grandchildren's home. I pray protection over their cars. When I'm driving, I pray protection over uh, my car. But you know what? In a sense, uh, you go look at verse 20, what Jesus is saying. I really don't have to pray for angelic protection over New Hope Baptist Church building. Because are you aware, and this just came to me last night, what a blessing this was. New Hope Baptist Church has an angel of God assigned to it to protect it. Now, I pray for angelic protection, but I really don't have to because there's one already there. And every true church in the world, uh, whether the underground church in persecuted countries or churches across America and around the free world where they can meet publicly, every local assembly of believers has an angel assigned to it. And we have an angel uh, assigned to the church of Jesus Christ at New Hope Baptist Church. Um, there are many more sevens. There are the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven vials of, ju of judgment. Now, think with me about the scientific basis uh, of numbers. Uh, the Greek philosopher Aristotle said numbers are the principles of all things. And he was wrong in a lot of things, but he was right there. God is a God of decency and of order and of design. And he has created the laws of numbers in the universe. Uh, if you're a student of biology or anatomy or zoology, you'll see the mathematical arrangement of God's created universe. Are you aware that every flower has a certain number of petals? Every cell in your body has a certain number of chromosomes. Now, think with me about the symbolic meaning of these numbers. Now, we're going to look at the whole Word of God, and I'm going to go very quickly, but uh, it's so important to understand every number in the Bible has a symbolic meaning. Uh, the number one is a number of unity, a number of unity. And the number one portrays precious brothers and sisters in Christ, the nature of Almighty God himself. There is one God, and his name is Jehovah, and he is the one and only God. Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Zechariah 14.9 says, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. And listen to this. In that day, talking about in the future, listen, the future doesn't belong to the Democrats or the Republicans or to uh, the communists or the free world. The future belongs to Jesus and the body of Christ. You're going to inherit the earth one day, precious child of God, as an heir of God and a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and Zachariah says, in that day, there shall be one Lord and his name one. So the number one is the number of, of unity. It represents the nature of God. There's only one true and living God. Now, the number two is a number of witness. Jesus said to the Jews, even in your law, it is written that the witness of two men is valid. And, and when Jesus sent out the disciples to witness, he sent them out two by two. And I'm looking forward when we get past COVID, when uh, Brian and Chad and I get back on visitation on Tuesday night. We had great times, great times. Hardly ever would we go into a house, but we'd stand outside and 
it was the three of us together, and there was strength in that, strength in that. And, and we'd get to share Jesus with the people and invite them to church and tell them about New Hope and tell them about the Lord. So uh, the number two is the number of witness. Now, symbolically, of course, the number three is the number of God in his triunity. Remember, in the Great Commission, Jesus said to his church, and, and it's not the great suggestion, someone said, it's the Great Commission. We're commissioned. This is what we do. He said, go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have told you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. The number three represents the very nature of God. He is a triune God, one God, but he lives as three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And, and precious child of God, every human being created in the image of God and after the likeness of God has a triune nature because we're created in the image of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's why we are created as a triunity, a triunity, a trichotomous nature, which means we have a body, we have a spirit, and we have a soul. And when we trusted Jesus, our spirit was regenerated. And that happened to me when I was an eight-year-old boy, and that was sealed by the Holy Spirit. And that seal can never be broken. That's why we have eternal security, because our spirit was born again. One day we'll get a glorified body. I'm looking forward to that day. The older I get, the more I look forward to that day. We're going to have a glorified body we we'll live in forever. And, and our soul is where we live our everyday Christian life. And, and our soul is made up of three parts, uh, our mind, our will, and emotion. You think about time is a triune. It's past, present, and future. Space is a triune. Height, width, and depth. Now, think with me about the number four. It's the number of the earth. The Bible, let me read, turn with me, please. If you're following along in the word, turn to Revelation 7, 1. Revelation 7, 1. Uh, the Bible speaks about uh, the four corners of the earth. Revelation 7, 1 says, and after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. Now, what are the four corners? Of the earth, they are the four points of a compass, uh, north, south, east, and west. Now, the numbers five and ten speak of completion. We have five fingers on each hand, five toes on each foot. We have five senses, sight, smell, hearing, taste, and touch. Then a combination of two times the five, we have the Ten Commandments, which the Bible says is the whole duty of man. Now, the number six is a number that represents man, represents man. Let me read for him uh, Revelation 13, 18. Turn with me there, Revelation 13, 18. And uh, listen, listen to this. It's talking about uh, uh, the mark of the beast during the, the Great Tribulation. And again, that's a 42-month span of time. And it's so horrible. Jesus said if those days weren't, weren't shortened, nobody would survive. And there'll be a lot of people coming to Christ during that time. But most of them will have to die as martyrs for the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen to this. The mark of the beast is the number 666. Here's wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, 
for it is the number of man. Six is the number of man. And the mark of the beast is the number 666. Now, uh, the number seven, we've already talked about that. That's so important. That is the predominant number in the book of Revelation. It's a number of perfection. Uh, God has written the number seven throughout everything. There are seven days in a week, seven notes on a musical scale. It's a number of perfection. It's a number of completion. And we are a seven in the sight of God through the grace of God, not through human effort. In our hands, no price we bring simply to the cross of Christ we cling. Now, the number eight stands for new beginning or the new birth. That's why in the Old Testament, in Genesis 17, God set up circumcision for Jewish baby boys, and it was a sign of the covenant, but it was to be done on the eighth day. And we've talked about that before. The reason why that was so important, because medical science says that's when that's when the blood of a newborn baby coagulates the best after birth is on the eighth day. Now, the number 12 in the word of God is God's governmental number, God's governmental number. Let me read for you. Matthew 19, 28. Matthew 19, uh, 28. The number 12 uh, is God's uh, uh, governmental number. And I, I, let me just begin with verse 27. Peter asks the question. He says, Lord, we, we've given up everything to follow you. What's it going to get us? I mean, Peter just spoke his heart, whether it was right or wrong. You didn't have to wonder what Peter was thinking. He'd tell you what he was thinking. He said, what, what shall we have there for? And listen to what Jesus said in verse 28, Matthew uh, 19, 28. Jesus said unto them, verily, truly, so the word verily means, I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration of the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory. Ye shall also sit upon 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. During the future 1,000-year millennial reign of Christ on this earth, and it won't be a perfect earth. It'll be this earth. The topography will be changed. The mountains will be leveled. The islands of the sea will be removed to other places. But Christ will rule from Jerusalem. And uh, the heavenly city, we believe, will come down and rest right over the new earth. And we'll have our glorified body, precious child of God. We'll live in the heavenly city. But we'll rule on this earth with Christ for a thousand years. Now, that's not the uh, new earth. That's this old earth. Uh, after that, this old earth will be judged by fire and purified by fire. And out of the burnt uh, elements of the old earth, uh, God will make a new earth. This earth will be made new, and this is where we'll live forever, on the new earth. But for 1,000 years, we'll live on this earth, and we'll rule and reign with Christ on this earth. Now, uh, think with me about the spiritual meaning uh, of these numbers. What is the spiritual meaning of all these numbers in the Word of God that are so important and so important to understand the book of Revelation? Uh, the number one tells us there's one God. There's only one God. I love Ephesians 4, 6, which says, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. One true and living God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The number two tells us that Jesus is the faithful and true witness. 
if you're following along in the Word of God, turn with me to Revelation 19. And Revelation 19 begins to talk about the bottle, uh, excuse me, the battle of Armageddon in the plain of Ezraelon at the Mount of Megiddo. It's called Armageddon because it means the, the battle that takes place uh, outside the mountain of Megiddo, the plain of Ezraelon, and Napoleon Bonaparte. Uh, the French general tried to conquer the world, but met his defeat at Waterloo. Uh, folks, uh, he said it was the most natural battlefield on this earth, and it probably is. And that's where the great final battle will take place. And let me just read for you uh, verses uh, 11 and 12. You read on the rest of the chapter, you get the, the whole this description of the Battle of Armageddon. And we'll study that later. But let me, we talked about this Wednesday night. Uh, the Antichrist will gather an army of 200 million soldiers and bring them toward the plain of Ezraelon. And uh, by the way, China already says they can field an army of 200 million soldiers. Now, I don't think it'd just be Chinese. I think it'd be lost people all over the world be part of that army of Antichrist. But Christ will destroy that army in the plain of Ezraelon. And that will introduce the uh, millennial reign of Christ on this earth, not a perfect earth, but it will be an earth that will be controlled by the Lord Jesus. And John says in 19, 11, and 12 of Revelation, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head, were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew, but he himself. Now, the number three talks about the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Let me just remind you of two very important truths. We talk about this a lot, but it's so important that we remember that each member of the Holy Trinity is equally God. Jesus is just as much God as is the Father and the Holy Spirit. They're all equally God. But there is a subordination in ministry. Jesus is submissive to the Father, and the Holy Spirit is submissive to the Father and the Son. Now, the number four tells us that the earth is our Father's world. The earth is our Father's world. Listen to this uh, wonderful uh, beginning of the Word of God. We studied this in some death, Genesis 1-1, but the word of God, and, and listen, I, I agree with Dr. Henry Morris, the person doesn't believe that, they can't believe the rest of the Bible. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. There is absolutely no proof, even Charles Darwin himself rejected the theory of evolution. There is no scientific proof whatsoever for evolution. Uh, but every evidence in the universe is evidential of a divine creation. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Psalm 24, one says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For God hath founded it, for he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon uh, the floods. And one day, precious child of God, you're going to inherit the earth. You're going to inherit the earth. Uh, again, I go back to uh, some of the thoughts Dr. Henry Morris says about he believes on the new earth and heaven and city will be on the new earth. We've talked about this before. You'll have a glorified body. You'll have a mansion. 
in that heavenly city. And he says he believes you'll have a, a country estate out here and you'll have a glorified body. You can travel with the speed of thought. And you can be anywhere you want to be on this perfect new earth where there's perfect joy and peace and happiness. You'll 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 have just have we can't even comprehend. The closest we can come to that kind of joy is salvation joy when we first trusted Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Now, the number five tells us that whatever God begins, he will complete. Aren't you glad that he who has uh, started a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ? That's what Paul says to the Philippians in Philippians 1.6. He says, I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Precious child of God, the Lord is patient with us. He's not going to give up. You know, sometimes parents give up on their children. I'm not saying you do. And mercy, next to the triune God, my daughter means more to me than my life, except uh, I'm so thankful for my precious, precious daughter. And I love my son-in-law, love my grandchildren. Uh, but praise God, God never gives up on us as his children. He's patient. He's long-suffering. If we need to be chastened, that's why I like to keep my my life cleaned up every day. If a thought comes, shouldn't be there. I want to put it in the blood of Christ. I don't want to wait till the end of the day and the Lord have to deal with me about it. Why not just do instant confession? I call First John 1 my spiritual campground, that if I confess my sins, God is faithful and just to forgive my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Now, the number six, and again, these numbers are so important. Uh, the number six, and by the way, I had note sheets run off, and we can do this next Sunday. We can take a few minutes next Sunday and give you these uh, note sheets, and I'll just, you can put in, we'll just won't go over the sermon again. We'll do that. Lord willing, Fred and Madeline will be with us next Sunday. We're looking forward to that. We can take, put it on, on the screen, and Julie can put it up there, and you can just write in your note sheets just quickly. Uh, while even they're singing and preaching, you can put that up there, and you can write those notes down if you'd like to have what these numbers represent in the Word of God. But the number six tells us that we're all sinners. That's that's the number of man. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Aren't you glad for the miracle of justification, the sovereign act of God's grace, whereby he declares you 100% righteous to the finished work of Jesus on the cross? That's when God looks at you. He doesn't see you. He sees Jesus because, child of God, your life is hid with Christ in God. And when God looked at Jesus on the cross, he didn't so much see Jesus. He saw you and me because Jesus was dying for us on the cross. That's why we affirm that great hymn, that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We dare not trust the sweetest frame, but we wholly lean on Jesus' name. Aren't you glad salvation is not something you do for Jesus? It's what Jesus has done for you. And he's going, as we already said, he's going to finish it. As good as it is now, one day you're going to be absolutely perfect in Christ. And for all of eternity, child of God, you're going to have perfect peace and perfect joy. Now the number seven. As we've talked about a lot, so, so very important. And and turn with me, please, to Hebrews 5, 8, 9, if you're following along in the Word of God. 
Hebrews 5, 8 and 9. And I want to read those two verses for you. Uh, the number seven says that we will one day, and, and in our spirit, by the way, and you you know what when God looks at you, as I've already said, he sees absolute perfection. You say, it's mercy preaches. I, I don't know you know, and you don't know me, and I know how far short this glory I come. But it's not what we're doing. It's what Jesus has already done for us. And God looks at us uh, as absolutely perfect in Christ. And I love these two verses in Hebrews 5. Uh, let me read these two verses for you. Verses 7 uh, uh, verses seven and 8. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong cries and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Let me read verse 9. And Jesus, having been made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that believe in him. Now let me let me just say say this. This is this is so important. Uh, you are one day. The best is yet to come. Now, praise God for his presence. And I love the fact that I can have fellowship with Jesus every day, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. But one day, the best is gonna come. You're going to have perfect joy, perfect body, perfect ha happiness. You'll be with your family in Christ forever. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, the number eight talks about redemption in Christ. Remember that wonderful story where uh, John's account of that historical event, so important. When Nicodemus, that religious man, came to Jesus one night. And, and, and Jesus said, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. That which is born of the flesh is your flesh, but what's born of the Holy Spirit is your spirit. And precious believer, when you trusted Jesus, your Savior, you were born again into God's family. And that can never, never, never be lost. Uh, we are a miracle of God's redeeming grace. If anybody's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things passed away. All things have become new. I love that little poem that says, you may not work a miracle in any given place, but you can be a miracle of God's redeeming grace. The call to work a miracle may be for one short day. The gift of being a miracle will never pass away. Now, I, I want us to close. Will you turn with me to the next, to the last book of the Bible, uh, Revelation 21. And again, I just want to tell you, uh, if you... If you really want to understand what heaven's going to be like, study the last two chapters of Revelation, the last two chapters of the Bible. You could say, in a sense, God saves the best for last. <laughs> the best is heaven. And that's the last two chapters of the Bible. Look at Revelation uh, 21. I'm going to read verses 9 through 13 and then 21 through 27. Are you aware that one day in your glorified body, child of God, there are 12 gates. They enter into heaven, and you'll end. We're talking about the number 12. You'll enter into heaven through one of those 12 gates. Let me just read this for you. I'm reading Revelation 21, starting verse 9. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Talking to John, just come hither. I will show thee the bride, the 
lambs white. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain. He showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God in her light was like the stone most precious, even like unto a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And had a, a wall, great and high, had 12 gates. And at the gates, 12 angels and names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. Now, go down with me to Revelation 21. Look at verses uh, 21 through 27. And the 12 gates, talking about the city itself, it's approximately 1,500 mile cube city, wide, long, high, street on top of street. And uh, uh, verse 21 says, and the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. You think about it. gold is the most precious commodity on earth. Now, what is it, $1,600 and something an ounce? It's street paving material in heaven. Uh, can you imagine if I live on Highway 9, it's asphalted. If it was uh, paved with pure gold, what it be? What just a little piece of Highway number 9 in front of my house would be worth. But no, it's gold. What man values the most on earth is the least important uh, in heaven. And uh, uh, I saw no temple there, no temple therein, verse 22, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of uh, sun, either the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten in the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever works abomination or makes a lie. But they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. The only people who are going to heaven are those people whose names have been permanently written in the Lamb's book of life. And so, the most important question I can ask you today is, is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. I thank you. I don't understand it, but I'm so thankful for uh, modern communication and that we have wonderful people who know how to do this and we can do this when we can't meet together. Even when we meet together, it's a great outreach into the community and to the area. For people who can't be with us, they can at least join with us in worship and the preaching and teaching the word of God and in prayer. And Father, I pray if there is anyone listening today who's never said yes to Jesus, I pray that this will be the glad day when they invite Christ to come to their life as their Savior and Lord. And friend, if you're listening now, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Why not pray right now? Just say, dear God, I realize I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. God, forgive me of all my sins. And I do believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. I believe he rose from the dead. And today, by faith, I receive Christ as my Savior and my Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And remember these precious, important, eternally significant words, Revelation 21, 27. Talking about heaven, 
and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever works abomination or makes a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Make sure, dear friend, your name is permanently inscribed into the Lamb's book of life. Amen. God bless you. You have a great day.